From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 207. The summer of fun continues, summer and fun. today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Pingdom, and Inboard Technology. I am beach loving, surfing, turfing Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the master of vibes, Jason Snell. <laughs> hey, dude! <laughs> California freewheeling, Jason Snow. I'm, I'm all, I, I, uh, when I was uh, a kid and I was on like bulletin board uh, computer stuff with people from uh, all over the country, I had people, there were these guys in, in North Dakota who I knew and they're in Fargo, North Dakota, and they're like, oh, how often do you go to the beach? Uh, and I'm like, I got bad news for you. I'm like more than 100 miles from the ocean. They were really sad because as far as they were concerned, every single person in California was, hey, dude. And I'm like, mm. Radical. Yeah, but anyway, that's totally what we are. We're standing. This is live from a beach. We're mm-hmm. standing under a palm tree. Fun fact: When the Beach Boys formed, they didn't know how to surf. None of them knew. This week's hashtag Snell Talk question comes from that Will. That is a fun fact. <laughs> Will wants to know. Uh, Will says, "I should say, I was listening to uh-huh. the Flop House, and a smart audience member asked them, what is the movie that you would like to see a sequel from that there has never been a sequel to?'" Jason, what is your answer? This is a great question by whoever asked this in that episode of The Flophouse that was released this weekend. Mm -hmm. And um, my answer, I think I'm going to go with the most obvious answer possible, which is Real Genius, one of my very favorite movies. And I would love to have seen the further hijinks of the Real Genius people um, in the 80s. I don't think I want to see a sequel now. Although there was rumors that there was going to be a sequel with Val Kilmer as like a professor mentoring a new group of young nerds Mm -hmm. Eh, maybe but um that's one of my favorite movies and it was uh it was never made into a sequel because almost everything now is a sequel or a franchise or all that but there are lots of classic movies that we love that we might wish there had been a sequel and there never were i think that was the premise of the uh, person whose last name was withheld on the uh, flop house this weekend it's a very very good question oh i don't know i don't really think i have a good answer for this i think might be not so much of a sequel but an another movie to help flesh out the story would be scott pilgrim um i love edgar wright scott pilgrim in fact relay fm mm. members are going to hear me and casey talk about it on an upcoming uh ep- membership episode bonus episode in a couple of weeks but there was so much more to that story that had to be removed and i would love to see it continue or be fleshed out I, I think edgar wright did an incredible job with that movie and the the source material and but i feel like it wasn't complete like it didn't have everything it could have had um even though it's a you know it's a good t- chunky two-hour movie but it, it doesn't have it doesn't have everything i wanted so that's probably where i'll go with less exciting the real genius i think maybe they should have done a uh a say anything sequel where it's it's uh they're in europe movie. Oh, man. What a great movie. I need, to, I need to watch that again. I feel like it's been long enough now oh, man. since we did Say Anything. Like I really want to see yep. that movie again. I loved it so much. I want to see if it like it it, it stands up like to to me, you know, like on, on a second viewing. Mm. That was very good. That was very I'm good. I'm incarcerated, Lloyd. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna put in the show notes. I'll put the uh, the incomparable cut uh, of the Say Anything. Yeah, the mic of the movies. Yep. Yep. 
That will be Great. in our show notes. Uh, so if you would like to ask a question for a future episode, just send in a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and that will help us uh, when it comes to asking something nice and random to begin our show every week as we do. And we would like to continue with today's episode by moving into some follow-up. This was from a couple of weeks ago, but I thought it was an interesting question. It came from Josh. While you were discussing how Apple could spend its money in episode 205, neither of you mentioned a company with smart home products like cameras and light switches and smart plugs. Do you think that this should be an area that Apple was is in, even though it's a separate brand, something like Beats? What do you think? I think it's not a surprise and not a mistake that we didn't mention it. Um I could see Apple doing it, but it feels like this is so what could Apple do to really differentiate this category? I feel like Apple enters categories like this because they see kind of a huge opportunity for them to take over. Now, Beats is an interesting example, um, but maybe an outlier. Like, I think sometimes Apple enters markets because they feel like the stuff out there isn't good enough. And although the smart home stuff kind of isn't good enough in a lot of cases, I feel like it's getting better. And I think that it does what can apple contribute to this and apple may actually look at the whole smart home market as a bag of hurt a little bit and like trying to just focus on working with partners i I like that about apple that with this they're like no 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 we're gonna work with partners we're gonna set out our rules for home kit and security and stuff and some of those went and some of those they had to kind of back off of a little bit in terms of software versus hardware um so i don't know they could but I'm I'm kind of okay that they didn't, and I didn't even think of it because I don't feel like uh, you know Apple needs to be you know Belkin or something like that. I I don't think which got bought by somebody, but um, that kind of thing. I just I I don't I don't see how that's a must for them. Nor do I see that it's necessarily a gigantic market. I could sort of see maybe something like Ecobee or something like that, where there's like a a specific company that's very kind of Apple-like and does a product that's good that that is in a particular category. But I don't know, maybe Google is the lesson here. Google bought Nest, and that does not seem to have gone really well. I think that's problems at Nest. You know, like I think Nest was just seemed it's to true. Just be a problematic company. I, I it's think true. that there is definitely merit to, to Josh's suggestion because I think HomeKit would be much more successful i think if apple were like leading the way and showing the products they wanted to make and there would be more home kit products available so it'd be kind of interesting in the way that they bought beats right do where like now they have a yeah. wider selection but it does feel like a distraction more than beats does i think apple doesn't want to be broadly and i know there are exceptions to this but i i don't think apple wants to broadly be in the accessory business I, I i think if they are exiting Wi-Fi, right? They're exiting the airport. Yep. This feels like products that are even less substantial than that. A smart light switch, a home video camera that like, how many of these products are they going to need to make? Now, the argument, the counter argument would be that this is why you buy a company and you take their, you know, you integrate them and you create a new kind of home product division and there's a way to make money there. But if I'm Apple, I think maybe it's better to have a whole bunch of different companies competing with each other to make good stuff that integrates with Apple stuff. And if if we assume that Apple's looking at everything as through the lens of how does this kind of accumulate to our ecosystem and grow our services revenue and grow our, grow our device revenue, do these 
does having an Apple owned one of these really do that? Like if, if Apple was losing, if Apple had no, no compatibility with most smart home things, it mm-hmm. would be a different story. But today, everybody is going to fall over themselves to make sure that they work on the iPhone, not just on Android. So the market's kind of working for Apple right now. So that's why, and that's why I think they got out of the Wi-Fi business too, is the same thing. Like they don't need to be there. It isn't contributing enough to the huge picture of Apple now. Cause it's not like in the old days where like literally, yeah. Could Apple buy any company and make a product that makes a little bit of profit and have it accrue to Apple's profits? Yes. But like Apple is so huge now and the game it's playing is so large that some of these small products, it's just, it's like, is it worth their attention at all? Is it worth their marketing time at all? Or are they better off just letting um, smaller companies out there fight amongst themselves to make better products and they're all trying to make them compatible with the iPhone. I think that I think in a market like this, that's probably the right approach. Thank you to everyone who has become a Relay FM member. Um, we have had a really wonderful uh, outpouring of support both in new members supporting this show um, mm-hmm. and just in what people have been saying about how much they enjoyed our uh, special episode Space Station where we play a text adventure with CGB Grey with uh, Jason Snell as the computer, the Snellatron. There Beep is um, a... This is something that wasn't available when we spoke about the show last week. It went up when the episode went up on Friday. Uh, there is a trailer that Grey had made, which is incredible, which gives yes. you a taste for what Space Station is all about. Um, I put a link in the show notes so you can go and watch that on YouTube if you still haven't become a member and you're interested in kind of getting a flavor for what our text adventure episodes are like. Um, you can still sign up and get this along with all of the other bonus content and special perks that we have for Relay FM members. Uh, membership start off that $5 a month. There is a link in the show notes for this show, which you can find on our website and you can also find in your podcast app of choice. You can tap that and just support the show very easily. It's just a couple of clicks and you can sign up or you can go to relay.fm slash membership and learn more. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huge. Just thank you so much uh, to everyone mm-hmm. that has become a Relay FM member. And I really, really hope that um, all of the bonus content that you get um, is uh, it, what makes it worth it for you because we try very hard to do that. So I hope that it that it makes it worth it. I was enjoying some membership content uh, just the other day. Mm. Some special, the, the special. There's a, a special reconcilable, uh, reconcilable differences. differences. That's great. Very good. We have a download uh, clockwise combo that is super wacky about Apple products that either should be killed or were killed. Oh my god! That is okay. coming out this week. That is also uh, pretty amazing with me and Stephen and Micah and Dan. Um, I also had this, I got an email from Jared Sorensen, who is the author of the text adventure that we played. Uh And his comment is to me, he says, you are way too forgiving Interesting. (laughs) for for you and for you and gray. I should have been much meaner to you. And also it's hilarious. They keep referring to the spaceship when the game is called space station. (laughs) Oh, whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, that sums it up. Whatever. Uh, I will say that that the uh, the book is wonderful. I have the PDF that that uh, yeah yeah. I, I backed the Kickstarter campaign. It's really really good. Uh, so I'll put a link in the show notes to that if you if you want to go and see it. It's really yeah. These are really these wonderful. are great like party games. Like if you've got a group of people, these text adventures. You buy Jared's book and there's like ten different games in there, and you can play them where you know you get everybody in an in an order and they all kind of shout 
commands at the parser and it's actually really hilarious it's great for large groups and small groups obviously all the way mm-hmm. down to just the two people so people should it's definitely fun. check it out i own the book and i think i'm getting the, i bought the physical book too but i can never look in them <laughs> no you can't you can look, <laughs> can't look, you can look at the you look at the art you can look at space station now and see the art and see where you went and all of those things and you know you can look at spooky manner having and, seen the instructions you had i am in even more awe of your ability to navigate us through that than ever it's kind of wonderful because that i don't know how you make it work the way you do but you do so yeah hard. thank you if you became a member i please uh i hope you enjoy it so that's awesome let's do some follow-out um there is a podcast created by the mid-roll yep. which is the kind of advertising podcast advertising giant and I think they they own Stitcher and they they produce some content and stuff like that. Yeah, they're the Earwolf Podcast Network yeah. and Stitcher, and then they do Stitcher Premium, and they also mm-hmm. sell ads as the mid-roll. Uh, they have a show about the business of podcasting, which we've both been on before. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called The Wolf Den, and it's mostly hosted by a friend of the show, Lex Friedman. They just did, he, he just did an episode with Marco Ament, creator of Overcast and host of Accent Attack Podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And they spoke a lot about... Uh, the real intricacies, some of the challenges and ways that the podcast industry is changing right now as, quite interestingly, a corporate ad company and a hesitant to corporations but app developer, right, who has a pretty large market share with Overcast. So it was really interesting to hear them debate a lot of these really intricate things about the industry. If this tickles your fancy I think it is a very interesting listen. I also just wanted to mention, because it was very nice, Marco picked Upgrade for the question of the podcast he is jealous of, and I thought that was really cool, so thank you, Marco. Yes, that was... I I was listening to that podcast because I wanted to hear those guys who have such different takes on it uh, talking about it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a really reasonable conversation. I thought there was a lot of... um, Actually, self-reflection on Marco's part about sort mm-hmm. of like, yeah, I, that really made me angry. But like looking at it in the long view, well, it's probably it was not that big a deal. I like that he said, like people grow. And I, <laughs> I like burst out <laughs> laughing. It's like, yeah, I guess they do. That was, yeah, it's a good conversation. If you care about the nitty gritty of like mm-hmm. how podcasting works. Um, and that's something we talk about here and we've gotten positive feedback about from some people. So yep. if you're one of those people, check out that episode because it's great. And I love those guys. Yep. And it was fun to hear them kind of joust back and forth a little bit. It was. And uh, they refer to each other as like frenemies at the end. And it's very funny um, and good, good, uh, good stuff and very kind. I, I kind of was not expecting Upgrade to be Marco's choice of podcast he was jealous of. And that was uh, that was an extra delightful thing. I learned some stuff. Um, should we do yeah. some quick upstream? I just have some headlines for so. you mostly. Just a little bit. Uh, Facebook have bought more football slash soccer. They've signed a three-year deal to show every La Liga game in India. La Liga is the Spanish Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just another deal that Facebook have done. They're going to be exclusive in India. They seem to be doing this right now. It really feels like a test, right? They're buying yep, live sports, tests, live sports yeah. stuff and showing them to markets that are large but probably aren't the main market right so exactly. the biggest market for la liga is in spain right and they're not sure. they, you know they're not going for that or the biggest yeah. lo- market for the premier league is in the uk but they're showing right. it in in some other like far-flung countries so uh it's just interesting to see them going down this road yeah and disney uh on espn plus their streaming service just signed up Serie a the uh, italian mm-hmm. soccer league 
and uh, similar kind of thing where it's just like, let's experiment with live sports and see on streaming and buying the rights there. A lot of times the rights that get bought, like you said, are not the like the super expensive rights. They are often the, you know, kind of there's an interesting middle ground where it's not the super expensive because it's popular. And there's also the super expensive for consumers because it's not at all popular it's a it becomes a niche uh, the example i can give mm-hmm. you is like cricket in the u.s like if you want to watch cricket in the u.s you have to pay a lot of money and that's because almost nobody is going to watch cricket in the u.s they know the people who are going to watch are people who are desperate for cricket and so they can charge them pay-per-view prices basically it's very expensive but in the middle you get something like this which is you know there's a growing market for soccer in the u.s there's a growing appetite for it fox has the bundesliga i think the german league uh nbc has the premier league and so disney has signed up for the italian league and put it on their streaming service. And so uh, just more of this experimentation. NBC, I mentioned a few months back that they used to show all the games on their channels or streaming, and now they've moved all of the premiership games that they're not showing on standard channels to their premium streaming service. So it's another example of like, can we get people to pay for our streaming service in order to get this live sports? So it's, it's a, we talk a lot about scripted here, but sports is another example where all of these uh, media giants are experimenting to see what the appetite for this stuff is and if there's uh, how solid the market is and what they should be spending for the rights and all of those things. It's definitely happening. YouTube's upcoming movie Viper Club is going to be getting a theatrical release. Um, Google clearly thinks and I guess wants their Susan Sarandon starred movie to pick up some awards. Um, I guess this is maybe their most serious production. So they want to get it to be considered in you know the Golden Globes, the Academy Awards, that kind of thing. Yeah, and for the Academy Awards, you got to run like a week in New York and a week in LA or something like that in a theater. There are these very specific rules yep. that are to be a legitimate awards contender. So it's going to be getting a limited run in theaters in the US as well as being available on YouTube Premium at the same time. It's made it's a, it's made for YouTube Premium. You know what used to be called YouTube Red, uh, but they wanna they wanna get some awards. They wanna pick up the awards like Amazon and Netflix have been doing. Mostly Amazon, right? Amazon seems to be. Yeah, Amazon has a straightforward policy where they're like releasing the movies in theaters as a real theatrical release and then they send it to Prime Video later. So like Manchester by the Sea was an example of that. And that was an Oscar nominated film. uh, Netflix is uh, not so sure they ever ever want to do that. Right. But they I'm sure they want to win academy awards if they could but mm-hmm. they seem to be pretty committed to just premiering their movies on their service and not worrying yeah they're, about they're the taking the route of fighting publicly with the academy i suppose yes. <laughs> and, and, and the con film festival and mm-hmm. all of the rest yeah and finally apple have joined the alliance for open media this is a <laughs> group of technology companies currently working on a compression format known as av1 which is a codec that can compress files to be 25 to 35% smaller video files than H.265 or Google's VP9. Other companies in this alliance include Amazon, Facebook, Hulu, VLC, and Google. So maybe this is how sometime in the future Apple would plan to support 4K from more providers because they're joining this this open standard alliance. Thank you to Dayton for sending this in. Yeah, this is really interesting. I was glad Dayton sent this in. This is maybe how you diffuse the uh, VP9 versus uh, HEVC uh, impasse of Google and Apple, which is 
come up with, agree on a next generation codec that everybody supports mm-hmm. and use that instead. And then Google can say, well, we're, we're moving on from VP9 to AV1. And Apple can say, we just added support for AV1, which is awesome. And it's over at that point. Yep. And maybe that's the best way forward is just to, to get everybody on the same page. It's annoying in the meantime, but um, it's, a good, it's a good sign for the long term for, for customers, for regular people who just want to watch uh, pretty, pretty 4K video on their computers and TVs and all the rest. It is fun to note uh, that the Alliance of Open Media have since removed Apple from the page. Um, I'm <laughs> expecting that because it hit the news, Apple were like, uh-uh, take us off. Um, but I am I am of the belief that they are a part of this. I believe that they are because I think it just makes a lot of sense because literally every other provider is a part of this alliance. So Yeah, yeah. so the, the, it is a little mysterious, but it may be that they haven't signed it or maybe they will join, but they don't want to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be a, a silent partner. Apple does that a lot more than you would think where Apple joins things and sometimes it's just to be present and to steer it behind the scenes a little bit and to know what's going on. And I would not be surprised if that's what's going on here. But it does open the possibility that everybody will get together and agree on a on, on a standard that Apple will support too. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take our first break and thank All our right. friends over at Pingdom for their support of this week's episode. Pingdom brilliant because they will help you monitor your websites and keep them online. And they also do this for a lot of the sites that you love as well. Pingdom monitor your site so you don't have to. They will give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. The internet is amazing. It is an awesome place, but stuff breaks all the time. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every single month. That is more than 400,000 outages a day. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. Because if you've got something online, you want people to see it. If they can't see it, you want to know. Pingdom will let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user's experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. They have a fuss-free approach to getting started. All you need to do is give them the URL that you want to monitor and they take care of literally everything else. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now. You can grab a 14-day free trial with no credit card required so you can check out Pingdom and see why it's right for you. Then when you sign up, use the code upgrade at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and then the code upgrade for 30% off. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So, a Chinese news outlet by the name of the Economic Daily News is reporting (laughs) that, hey, it's translated, come on. I mean, Wall Street Journal is a ludicrous name too. Wall Street? Which is it? Who's writing in a journal? The Economist, right? Like, they're all funny. Yeah. They're all, <laughs> That's right. If so you too, think is, about them out of context. He, he must be very old now, The Economist. He's yeah. been around a long time. Like, The New York Times. It doesn't write just about New York. Right? When you, when you start yeah. to, like, take these names out of context, they don't make any sense. But anyway, The Economic Daily News is reporting that the OLED phones debuting this year will adopt Apple Pencil support. They are stating that the Taiwanese chip supplier Ilan has been uh, apparently tasked with the project. They currently produce chips for Wacom styluses, styli. This also echoes an analyst report from earlier in the week, a report from a company called Trendforce, 
that states that this is one of the ways Apple will look to increase ASP on the iPhone line, as well as having three storage tiers available, 64 gigabytes, 256, and 512. I will say that, like, I saw the analyst report, and I wasn't going to include it, because analyst reports are conjecture. They're not proof of anything, right? It's just, like, sometimes there's whispers, but most of the time, it's like, this is what we believe will happen for these reasons. And the reasons can make sense, but a lot of the time, it's just people saying stuff to be right. It was when that was followed up by this kind of supply chain thing that I thought we would talk about it today. Yeah, I think I wrote a piece um, you did. Week, a week ago, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, from Tom's Guide. That uh, was one of my Tom's Guide every other week iPhone stories. Um, they wanted me to kind of jump off of the Galaxy Note 9. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that, and and essentially what I talked about is the iPhone 10 Plus, this thing that we've been talking about, like that larger iPhone and what it is and what it could do and um, how it compares to what Samsung just announced and all of that. And one of the big parts of that, I think, is Samsung for a long time now has had the S Pen with the Galaxy Note. They've got the little thing. You can you know slide it in and pop it out and all of that. And what I said in the article is and and I really believe this. I don't just write these things and not believe them. I believe them. Um, if there was going to be a time when Apple added pencil support to the iPhone, don't you think that iPhone 10 Plus would be like the right time? It's a big, six point five inch phone, huge, top of the line, you know. And then at that point, like the OS already has pencil stuff built into it, right? It's already got the thing where if you tap on the locked screen, it brings up a, a note. And lets you t- lets oh, you write yeah. on it on, huh. on the iPad, right? Mm-hmm. It's already got that. It's already got all this stuff. There was an article that I read at an outlet I will not name um, that was <laughs> like, "Oh, Apple Apple needs to uh, really make the uh, uh, you know follow the, the Samsung example." And one of the examples was like writing with a pencil and stuff like that. And it was like, "Yeah, they they have it all. They have all the pieces." And they could add a few more that might be phone centric. I feel like the question is like, what would the hardware support be? Will you be expected to kind of like carry it around in your pocket or something because the current apple pencil is so long that it's not really a pocketable device it, it, right, it's yes. a folio kind of thing mm-hmm. for ipads so like that's the part that stumps me a little bit is mm-hmm. like you kind of need to create a new like apple mini pencil or iphone pencil or something like that but otherwise i think it would be great i think they've laid all the foundation to do pencil support on an iphone and that this big rumored big iphone 10 plus is the perfect place to do it. I know you love the pencil. What do you think about... about? And you love big phones. Like, yeah. is this the perfect mic sweet spot or what? So I've been predict... Like, you know, in, in predictions shows, I've been predicting this for like two years now, right? That like an, at the Apple Pencil support on the iPhone because it feels like a logical next step, especially when, as you say, they have all the technology there and Apple's biggest competitor is doing it. And people like it, right? Like, the... the the stylus, the S Pen, I think, was a joke at first for a lot of people. It's like, oh, look, it's a stylus because we were in that world of like, you're the stylus, you blew it, right? But then that all went away when the Apple Pencil came out because because uh, after the meme died away. Um, but now, like, people buy the Note because of the stylus because the Galaxy S9 or whatever, the S9 Plus is basically the same size. They're very close in size. But then the Note has this whole other suite of things that it can do. We spoke about it on last week's episode. Like I was excited about the fact that it has Bluetooth now, so you can program the buttons and stuff like that. So I think that, yes, the iPhone, the big iPhone, should have 
Apple Pencil support. I believe that... I'm interested about if this this report is true, that it will be on both of the OLED phones, because as we spoke about in the past, right, the LCD phone is actually bigger than the smallest OLED phone. So there's like this weird stuff here about kind of like what does size mean, but... I am sure we will get into that a lot in September, right? About like the the lineup and what size means and how it gets spread. Um, yeah. But th- th- do I think Apple's going to do it this time around? I don't know. Like I know I want it and it feels logical. Right. But there are a lot of things that make me question it. Yeah, even if this is the most likely scenario we've ever seen, it doesn't mean it's likely, right? I feel like this is like a 33% chance, 40% chance, something like that. It's still not, I think, more, I think it's more likely that they don't do it than that they do, but it does feel like this is an opportunity for them to do it if they choose. This seems like a good time where they've got a lot of the pieces in place to do it. Because the thing is, this is the thing. Okay. They have to create a new Apple Pencil. You can't... That's it. Yeah. ...use the current can't. Apple Pencil on a phone because that is ludicrous. That is absolutely yep. ludicrous. So it has to be smaller in size. If it is, will it be stored in the phone? That is the most logical thing, but it goes against literally everything Apple seems to believe about how they built their phones. Right, having this big hole in the phone. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing them use internal iPhone space on a pop-out pencil kind of thing. I'll throw another piece in the mix here, which is that when the iPad, the the you know no-name iPad was announced in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. It came with this new Logitech Crayon support, yep. which they worked with Apple on, and it uses wireless tech that is not the Bluetooth tech that is in the Apple Pencil, and you don't have to like pair it you just it's proximity based and it writes on it and that's really interesting because that that makes you at least ask is that a new technology that apple is intending to spread to other devices like they did exactly they put new wireless capabilities in this ipad just for logitech just for schools like they went through all this work like it seems like an awful lot of work to do for a very niche use like if they were selling the logitech crayon to everyone i would understand it more but it really does feel like oh we've been we've been developing this technology for apple pencil support on the iphone so we'll put it into this ipad as well or like we've been going down this route and we're not going to use this exact thing but we developed it so maybe we should put it here because i agree it seems like they really went through a lot right to 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 make this particular link with this product when, mm-hmm. in theory, Logitech could have just created something that worked the same way the Apple Pencil does. They didn't need to create a whole new way of connecting the devices. There is the one the one reason that it happened and that they made it happen is I think there was a concern for schools. One, that they wanted a lower cost stylus, which is, I think, why they made the crayon with Logitech. But two, this idea of having to pair the devices. And in a classroom, you might be writing on different people's iPads and stuff. Right, and the right. idea with this thing is, unlike the Apple Pencil, which this does not work, um, you can't take your Apple Pencil that's paired with your iPad and then and then just sort of turn to the person on your right who has an iPad Pro and write on their screen, too. It doesn't work. 
Um, but with the crayon, it does, right? So there is there is a little bit there, but I agree with you. Like, seems like a long way to go just uh, just for that and not to feel like there's something else going on. We talked about this for the last couple of years. A lot of times you look at the things that Apple's doing and it, they're like little things, but then you look at the bigger picture and you're like, I think they're headed in a direction like with removing the home screen or the home button. Uh, you know, introducing gestural stuff like that was all leading somewhere and changing how multitasking works. It was all leading somewhere. This feels like it's leading somewhere. Now, maybe that's wishful thinking, but it does feel like it. Um, and, and that's why I wanted to ask you, like, you seem to be potentially the prime audience for this sort of thing. Uh, is that, you know, is that what you're thinking is like you would really love to have a new Apple Pencil and a giant iPhone to scribble things down on or you know or is your enthusiasm tempered i'm just kind of curious because this is a much more uh, a product development for you than it is for me yeah let's park to the side the apple pencil as it currently is because you know sure. i said a bunch of times like i want the one on the ipad to be different i want more advancements to it but just looking yeah. at the phone i 100 percent want this for many reasons you know the same ergonomic reasons that i have for the ipad to find it more comfortable to to use uh, something in a pen form factor instead of tapping and using my hands all the time. It's it's just more comfortable for me. Um, and I would get a lot of utility out of being able to scribble things down quickly, right? Like, And the idea of being able to have that as a support in my iPhone seems really interesting. But there are so many details about this which seem kind of unclear and I'm interested about, right? Like, will it have any technology in it? Really, maybe not. Right. Maybe it's just as simple as the current Apple Pencil is. You know, like it's not doesn't have buttons or whatever, or that crayon, right? Like maybe it's that simple. Or the crayon, yeah. Which you know is interesting, right? And then like, how do you charge it and all that kind of stuff? But the biggest thing is, how big is it? What's the form factor? And where does it go? My expectation is it will go in like some kind of folio case, but I don't want to use a folio case, right? So there's right. like, they have to. If that's how it's going to be presented to us, then there has to be some really compelling things for why you would want to use the pencil on the iphone and i would expect like all the ipad stuff is great but there should be more right like there's some really cool stuff that you can do with the note and i would love to see apple try and maybe find their own things you know like what i really love with the note is when you're scribbling something down I really like the way that you just do it on the black screen because they're OLED phones, right? Like it doesn't actually open a note in their notes app. You just write something on the screen and it's like the, the you know, it's just that I find that quite a delightful interaction. Mm. So, you know, I don't really know what it would be, but I feel like if it's not going to be in the phone, which I don't believe that they will do that, I really don't think they will do it. I think it will be external. They have to give people some really good use cases for why they would want to buy it because Apple will 100% sell it to you. They won't include it. Um, yep. And I, I want to see like a really good use case for why they think that it is the right time to add something like this to the phone. I think your folio case idea, which they announced the first Apple phone folio case last, last year, year, I think. Mm-hmm. And I wonder there if that maybe is also a strange sign of things to come where they might yep. offer a folio so. case with a pen holder mm-hmm. for something like this. And uh, it's interesting. You're right. A lot of people will be like, yeah, but then you're buying the, the case, which costs $120 and the pen, <laughs> pencil or pen or whatever they call it. Which, or something. Yeah, exactly right. 
and but that's Apple, right? And and then there will be third party opportunities where there'll be a thing you stick on that's like a little loop, or there's like a little magnet adapter, or you whatever. Um, I agree. It's one of the problems that I think prevents Apple from doing this is not the hardware of the iPhone, and it's not the software because they've done that on the iPad Pro. It's the um, ergonomics of a pen. <laughs> with a phone because i think you're right i i don't see them making a pop-out stylus like the note um and so then what right then it gets all fiddly and maybe their argument's going to be this is why you get the notebook case which is a folio with a pen holder and it automatically wakes and sleeps the device and all those things and now you're carrying around a little notebook that's also your phone because here's the thing right at that level who needs an ipad mini anymore Oh, certainly. I mean, right. it's a huge screen. This yeah, phone absolutely. is an iPad mini at that point. It's like an inch in difference. It has the smart cover, right? Like it becomes an an infinitely more compelling device to certain people. It's, yeah. like, it's an iPad now at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is a very interesting product. And when you, you know, you're saying about like, you got to buy the case and you got to buy the pencil. You kind of go out looking back at what the Trendforce uh, folk were saying they're doing this to increase the ASP because that helps them in their earnings and stuff now. And of course, like you're turning a $1,000 phone into a $1,500 phone close to, right? By the time you've got the size you want, then all of the accessories, this is one of the ways that they ended up turning the ASP up on the iPad was by creating these expensive accessories that are really good, right? You've got the smart keyboard and the Apple Pencil and it pushed up the... ASP on the iPad line. And this is a great way to push up the iPhone on the top end in the pro level is by having sure. a bunch of really good, technically like savvy accessories. Yeah, and that, that means not only is the ASP of the iPhone line going up, but the ASP of you know of to, to total revenue from a customer goes up because now they're buying a pencil, now they're buying a case, mm-hmm. now they're doing all those things. Not everybody will buy the case. You know, everybody we know, the usual suspects, will come out with other ways of holding or attaching such a, a thing, but Apple will have their official story way of doing it. And I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, again, we're back to it. I feel like this is something they absolutely could do. And I think it'll be good. Again, not a part of the product. I think that's actually leaving the space inside the iPhone that's filled with battery aside, making it part of the product makes it mandatory in a way that I think Apple doesn't want to make, leaving aside that they can get another $100 out of you, plus maybe a case. I think Apple doesn't want to say, this is the iPhone that needs a pencil. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't want to do that. So it's not going to be, I think, a part of it for all of these reasons. But I think about people who carry little, uh, you know, little notebooks, little field notes, notebooks and pens around with them, right? All the Mm -hmm. time. And I think... Now you don't, you know, now the pitch is you don't need to do that anymore. You can carry around one of these little Apple pens or pencils and your iPhone and your iPhone is your notebook. And if you want to jot something down, you literally can just pick it up and start writing and yep. jot it down and it works. And like, that is pretty cool. And the, the dream of the Newton is finally realized. <laughs> Only took 25 years, 30 years, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. 
All right, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Inboard Technology, the geniuses behind the motorized M1 skateboard. Inboard's flagship M1 e-board is set apart from the pack by its innovative industry-leading features and its sleek yet rugged design. The Inboard Vision mobile app controls every aspect of the board and even allows your mobile device to be used as an additional controller. It provides regular firmware updates to your M1 for the highest performing torque to allow you to get up those hills quicker and provide more efficiency to the way that your board runs. And it makes it future-proof because you can get the software updates. But of course, there is a regular controller, right? You can use the app for it as you want, but it comes with a regular controller. It's a simple, intuitive design and a safety trigger that means you don't have to worry about any accidental takeoffs so your board uh, won't fly away on its own. The M1 e-board has the glide of a traditional skateboard with the power and freedom of an electric motor. Now, my co-founder, Mr. Stephen Hackett, uh, he is very excited about his uh, M1 e-board, so he recorded another little clip for us, which you can hear him rolling around the streets of Memphis, Tennessee. All right, Mike, I'm out here on my M-board. It's a beautiful sunny day, and I just I feel one nature because i'm not stuck in a car pedaling a bike i'm just on an electric skateboard that is smooth and easy to use feel confident on it it's safe it's got lights on the front and back and board is totally the way to go so you can seriously upgrade your commute with one of these e-boards forget spending ages stuck in traffic every morning or having to look for that parking space just pick up your board and head to work if you commute just fine, maybe it's a great way to run some errands around your neighborhood. You can zip around or even just for fun. For a limited time only, save $100 on your purchase of the M1 eBoard by heading to inboardtechnology.com and using the code UPGRADE100 at checkout. You can try it out for 14 days, and if it's not right for you, you can just send it back. They have an easy return policy, so if you've ever wanted to try out a motorized skateboard, now is the time to do it. That's inboardtechnology.com, I-N-B-O-A-R-D technology.com, and use the code UPGRADE100 to save $100 for a limited time only. Go there now. You won't regret it. Thanks to Inboard Technology for their support of this show and Relay FM. So it is still the summer of fun. Summer of fun! But there's, there's been a casualty of the summer of fun, Jason. Oh no! Ask upgrade. What did we do? I feel like we have not. Oh yeah, we've mm-hmm. been skipping some ask upgrades recently. We've not been doing as many because we've been running out of time. So today we're going to do an ask upgrade double feature, double the ask <sighs> upgrade, double the fun, double the fun. Because what is more fun, Mike, than answering questions from listeners? Nothing. 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 There is nothing more fun. Mm-mm. And we start with David. David says, Jason. Do you use Plex? If so, why not just rip your 4K Blu-ray discs and play it there? Uh, David is talking about when we were talking about your 4K issues and having to use like Voodoo and all that kind of and, stuff. And then buying an Xbox mm-hmm. so that I could play those HDR uh, 4K <laughs> yep. discs and all of that. Um, Xbox is going great, by the way. My son Ooh. really is loving it. We were playing. Uh, he's playing No Man's Sky, which has been updated for mm. 4K as well. Very and nice. uh, it's really great. And his, and his best friend who moved away. Um, also has it on Xbox so they can actually adventure together in you space. play together now. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great game for them to try out, like, you know, to have that kind of yeah. experience. And it's, awesome. it's already a beautiful game, but it's like on that 4K TV, it's even more beautiful. Yes. To answer David's question, so first off, 4K Blu-rays aren't Blu-rays. They're, they're like next generation Blu-rays, which means that existing Blu-ray hardware won't play them, including my Blu-ray disc that I've got, the USB drive that I've got. So I would need to oh. buy a new 4K Blu-ray drive compatible thing. And the other thing is uh, ripping discs 
is it requires uh, break-in DRM. And as you might expect, the 4K UHD discs have new a new DRM scheme that after they are slowly figuring out how to break it, but you have to break it. And Not that you would ever, you know, this is just like in theory. No, no, no. I mean, I am in favor. If you if okay. you bought the disc, if you bought the disc and want to copy the bits off of it for your own personal I agree use, with you. But you know, you I, should I be just able to do to that. Give you the option to jump out of that if you if you wanted no, to. No, no. I am entirely in favor okay. of people breaking DRM in order for their own personal use because I think the DRM power. is evil. Yeah, I mean, it's it, if I bought your disc, I'm not pirating stuff. I'm buying your disc, but if I want to buy your Blu-ray disc and put it on my Plex server for my own use, then um, and with the bit rates of of HD stuff, it's seriously only for my own use in my house because I hit the person who would try to stream it. Um, so if I do all that and, and I get it working, well, then uh, there's the next case, which is I also have to rely on the my my home network and the device I'm streaming to being strong enough. And then honestly, the the size of these files is enormous. The size of the regular HD movies is enormous, let alone the 4K, which is why I tend to use um, Don Melton's scripts to re-encode them. So I'm not like John Syracuse and leaving them at the original bitrate because the files are too large. And those are just the 1080 versions. The UHD versions are going to be massive. And at that point, I decided, you know what? This is so many different barriers when I can just get a movie that I really want to see in 4K and I can get the disc and I can leave it around and I can stick it in if I want. We watched Black Panther over the weekend. It's beautiful. looked so good. And that's fine. That's fine. Maybe I'll feel different if I have hundreds of them. But at that point, maybe my hard drive will be so huge that I can fit that stuff on there. But for now, the point of these things is max bitrate. And a max bitrate file on my, even on my Drobo server, it's going to, it's going to just eat a hard drive with one thing. And at that point, I might as well just keep the little optical disc around. So I'm going to, these are my reasons. There are many. Um, But in the end, any one of them would be enough to stop me. Is max bitrate Max Headroom's friend? Max bitrate will be a supporting player on my reboot of Max Headroom, (laughs) which I'm ready to do as soon as somebody from Hollywood comes to me. Just call me. call me. Call me the Max Headroom. I would do that in a heartbeat. Andreas in the chat room has recommended the Media Station 16 times desktop BDXL Blu-ray writer as a by Buffalo as a as a potential option for you, Jason. So I'll put but that. It's in huge. Notes. Is it huge? I don't know if it's. I can't tell. I mean, we need a banana for scale. Or it's huge compared to the little one that I have now. Right. But it's that's nice. I one day maybe, but I I'm skeptical that I will ever go down there because again the file sizes are just enormous. And at this point, I don't think I can barely justify putting Blu-rays on there for convenience sake. I I definitely can't do it with 4K Blu-rays. Josh has written them with the iPads home button rumored to be going away. Where will Siri be mapped? We pressing and holding on the side buttons makes sense on the iPhone, but using the iPad's top button might feel weird. Could we see a software button to launch Siri in the future? What do you think? I think it's all... Um, there will probably be a hardware button match, including it probably will be that on-off button, but I think Apple's going to really lean into um, just using your voice to trigger it. Yep. Like always on triggering and that'll be the preferred method i think that that would be their argument today is that pressing a physical button to trigger siri is silly you should just be able to say the words and have it happen yeah there will be there i believe it will be mapped to a probably larger button right like they will put a bigger button on it like they have on the iphone 10 
Um, but they will be like, oh, you should use a Hoi telephone instead, right? Like that, sh- that should be the way that you interact with this thing. Um, and that, you know, I think that that's probably the way that are going to end up doing it. Uh, there's been, Andreas has put another uh, <laughs> Blu-ray writer, which is smaller. In it the is chat smaller. For you, so. I, I appreciate this. N- nobody else needs to send me any Blu-ray suggestions. It, obviously, there are some smaller ones out there that I could use if I want to completely eat up all my disk space, which I don't. But mm-hmm. thank you. So yeah, I think software button, no. They, they will just say you should just use the voice command or you could use the physical button uh, for accessibility reasons. Dave has asked, do you think that Disney will bundle their Marvel Unlimited comic subscription service into their upcoming streaming offering like DC is planning with theirs? So news to me that DC was working on something. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. their, their video streaming services actually encompasses some other stuff, including the first time they've added subscription access to DC, certain DC comics. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this, one, makes sense for Disney, and two, that Disney would do it? Uh, the way I understand how Marvel is structured, Marvel Comics is a separate division. Um, only recently did they allow Marvel Studios to go off and d- report directly to a high-ranking Disney executive. Marvel TV and the comics all go through um, a the guy who basically brought bought app or bought app bought marvel and brought it back from bankruptcy and that's and then sold it off and that's ike perlmutter um who is kind of infamous he sounds like an unpleasant person to work with and he's cheap and um he's strangely not integrated into the rest of disney um in in the way that dc is dc is just part of warner uh, media group basically at this point they are completely integrated marvel comics is not um, I suspect that has something to do with Ike Perlmutter's contract or something about the conditions of him selling Marvel to Disney. Um, so I think not just because of that. Like the fact that that Marvel TV is currently under his auspices, under his command, instead of like somebody else at ABC or some other part of Disney Entertainment or of Kevin Feige at, at Marvel Studios suggests that it's hard to to get these uh, groups to coordinate inside of Disney. So my guess is no. My guess is that Marvel wants its revenue from Marvel Unlimited and that uh, the streaming service is going to be over in some other part of the company and they're not going to interact. It's possible, but if I had to bet, I'd bet no. Okay. I mean, um, they may offer nice. some sort of mega Marvel subscription, which they're already kind of doing where you get some stuff. So there may be like a mega subscription, super fan subscription that gets you both. But I'm skeptical that they would essentially right. just say, if you sign up for our streaming service, you get Marvel Unlimited for free. Like there could be a bundle, but it won't be bundled for everyone. It won't right? be the thousands and thousands of yeah. comics that you can get by paying Marvel $70 a year or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. But you could maybe like if you bought both of them, you might get it for fifty, right? Like the yeah, you know. yeah. And they do have, like I said, Marvel has this sort of super fan subscription that I don't subscribe to because you get like a figurine, and I mean it's just like I'm not interested in any of that. But I could see that where there's a super fan that bundle that gets you both. But um, and they may also, yeah, they may bundle a small collection of comics with the streaming service. But it, you know, this is a Disney streaming service, not a Marvel streaming service. So I think it's most likely that they won't because it will just confuse the product. And same vein, 
uh, similar vein, Nate has asked, will the talks of the upcoming streaming service from Disney, where do you see it being announced? Maybe an Apple keynote at their own media <laughs> event? What do you think? So um, I read an interview with, I think, Bob Iger from Disney, but it was a, a story about this where, oh, no, it was he was doing their results. Yeah. And one of the things he said is that they would be announcing more details of it in the near future. So where that is, I don't know. It would be great if they announced details on stage at an Apple keynote. There would certainly be a great, uh, great uh, audience for that. They, my guess is that they will do their own event uh, that they like they do for some of their kind of other things they do. They have like Disney events where fans come and stuff like that. It may be at something like that. It's a Disney event, Star Wars event. I don't know, but. I do think that it, it, we're getting close to them offering more details, probably including the name and a sense of the run-up to it. They've said late 2019 is when they're launching, so they've got a year to prepare for this. But I do think we're going to get more details about this uh, streaming service soon. And I should mention, if somebody's a uh, Stratechery member, Ben Thompson wrote a nice piece yep. today, August 20th, uh, for members that is about... Um, Disney and where their business is going, both in terms of live sports like ESPN stuff and in terms of the streaming service. And it's a very interesting read about how Disney, you know, they're they're really trying to find a way through this thicket of people dropping cable, but some of them picking up um, over-the-top TV services like YouTube TV and Hulu, and then uh, also trying to build their own streaming services out. And it's a tough job because they're trying to like keep the company running while transitioning from one media world to a very different one. And it's a good piece by Ben Thompson, as they almost all are. There's, but, um, a, there's a very good quote um, from Bob Iger in it that I really liked. I liked the kind of uh, the way he sees the company. He's like, with where we are right now, when we're planning to launch, which is sometime in 2019, we know everyone's going to pass us by, right? Like we're being left behind by everybody. But our content is content everybody wants. So it doesn't matter. Right. Like it doesn't matter that we're late to this game because if you want Star Wars and Marvel, and he didn't say it, but you know, all the other stuff they're buying. Uh, Pixar. Pixar. Yeah, Pixar. And then, you know, all the other stuff from, from Fox. Like, yep. if you want that, this is going to be the only place you're going to get it. So they don't care that they're going to be late. It seems like what I actually quite like is they're waiting until they have this right before they launch yeah. it um, because they know that their stuff is desirable, so it doesn't matter. And I, and I really like that that kind of view on the position from the CEO and that he's not a, really sugarcoating it. So I like that. It's a very Disney view of their content, which mm -hmm. is Disney was always confident to do things like withhold their products from the market in order to build up demand with their on home video, for example, of Disney movies and things like that. So they're definitely going there. He said, you know, that they're going to play a quality game and not a vo volume game, which he said, I don't mean to say that Netflix isn't playing a quality game, but they're also playing a volume game. And he's basically saying, we're not going to make a new show or two and a movie every week. That's not going to happen, but they are going to make sure that they have good stuff and they've got a good catalog and they do own all of this content now, especially with the purchase. I mean, Disney streaming service is being built with an eye toward Disney products. Now they're going to start when the Fox deal closes. Like there's going to be a whole second wave where they start taking all the Fox properties and seeing what could they do with some of those and you might think, well, a lot of the Fox stuff is more adult and won't fit on a Disney streaming service. Some of that might be true. But I think some of that stuff that Fox has 
in their library will also have value to Disney, whether it's something like Firefly, The X-Files. There's a bunch of stuff in there that is part of the Fox collection that they're going to be able to use. And uh, and so watch for that, too. There's a lot going. A lot, lot of sort of like second wave from the Disney streaming service that got way more interesting now because they're going to have that extra stuff. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by... Squarespace. Make your next move for Squarespace because they will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. They have everything that you're going to need to get started. If you want a unique domain name, they can do that for you. If you want to take advantage of award-winning beautiful templates that are wonderfully customizable so you can make your website look the way you want, they have that. And if you're like, hmm, I think I know what I'm doing, but maybe I might need a little bit of help here and there. Well, not only do they have incredible documentation and guides, they also have 24-7 customer support that is award-winning in case you need any help at all. Squarespace has all of the functionality that you're going to need. They're an all-in-one platform. You can create any type of website you want, an online store, a portfolio, a blog, the list is endless. They have all of the tools that you're going to need and everything's so customizable that I'm pretty sure you'll be able to build just about anything that you want with Squarespace. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade. You don't have to worry about that stuff. They have got it covered. Believe it or not, their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can try it for free. No credit card needed. Just go to squarespace.com slash upgrade and you can play around and you can make your website. And then when you love it and you're ready and it's done, you can put it out to the world. You sign up for a plan, one of those plans that start at just $12 a month, but I can get you a discount. Use the offer code upgrade and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. So once again, that's squarespace.com slash upgrade and the code upgrade to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for the continued support of this show, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. So the uh, hashtag Ask Upgrade Train rolls on. The question from... Whoa! That Ask was... Upgrade Train has lasers. You see. That was very impressive. Francois asks, I found myself being annoyed lately at some iOS release notes updates. Companies seem to try to be too cute now as like a backlash from just being boring. For example, a recent YouTube update said bug fixes, stability improvements, and repairs to the space-time continuum. Jason, what is your view on this? I don't love bug fixes and stability improvements. I also don't love it when they try to cutesy it up and say, we love our users so much that we are always making improvements and Mm -hmm. fixing bugs, and thank you so much. Like... I think there is a discontinuity here where, you know, Apple sort of views this, I think, as a way to let developers detail what's changed. And uh, but a lot of people, a lot of companies view it as kind of a marketing opportunity. And there is a real question like what who who is using this and why are they using this? Um I would prefer it if companies said, big picture, here's what we did, and then here are the details. Um, I think it's against some companies' um, culture to admit that they are fixing specific bugs. And I guess there are arguments pro and con. I always prefer to get a big juicy list that says, we fixed... Even it doesn't have to be detailed. It doesn't have to list every single bug fix. But to say we fixed a problem where the iPad pr- with with uh, you know loading in portrait dis- uh, portrait mode on an iPad Pro, just to make up an example, right? Like that's like oh yeah, okay, great. 
Um, but I know that a lot of companies view it as like a litany of failure to like all these things that were broken, but now are fixed and it's very negative. So they just stay positive. But, you know, I would prefer that. And, and improvements are also like, tell me about your improvements. But um, I don't know. I guess it's every developer's decision to about what they want to disclose. And a lot of developers just don't want to do it. But I would um, cuteness like... I don't love it um, because that feels like not a place to do that. And that's just trying to be kind of like meta about the fact that everything is bug fixes and stability improvements. But, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't need any more whimsy in my uh, app release notes, I guess I would say. But I don't like the lack of disclosure anyway in those app release notes. I don't like it when they just say bug fixes and stability improvements because the point is that you should be able to say something about what's changed. And um, I wish they would be a little more uh, open with their disclosure. I feel like some, I mean, so I would say the bug fixes and performance improvements thing doesn't really annoy me that much, purely because like it doesn't work for companies to, to list everything all the time because sometimes there isn't anything particular, right? Like it's, right. they might be, because um, this happens a lot, right? An update comes out to an app and there's a new feature that's hidden and they they announce it a couple of days later and it rolls right. out, right? Because it is unrealistic to to sometimes to announce an update to your application if people haven't updated yet. Yeah, like you, I'm sure developers know like how well, long does it take people to update to 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 a new version or whatever. So they want to hold. And there's it. a lot, right? And there's there could be security issues that you don't want to disclose, and that's yep. absolutely true. And a lot of stuff is really esoteric. Like we had this issue yeah. that affected you know ten people and mm-hmm. caused this crash, and we fixed it. It's like does anybody care and also about as that? well? So like, I get. I don't I get think that. that there's a lot. Like, a lot of big companies like Google and Facebook and stuff. It seems like they are on a. Um, release cadence right that they will have a release for their apps every two weeks and i would expect sometimes there's just stuff that's not done yet but it's there right like because they're just pushing Mm. out whatever the code is at a stable point and they keep you know that they just commit it and then they upload it to the app store and then that will continue to be worked on so i guess there is kind of probably isn't always stuff that's worth calling out so i understand why it annoys people but at the same time i feel like i understand the practicalities of these these big corporations to the point where, like, sometimes it's just not worth it for whatever reason to disclose literally every change. I think for Francois's purpose here, like, they're trying to do something when they can't do anything else. So they're trying to distract you or make it amusing, and it's mm-hmm. very meta. And I get how that would be annoying, too, because I find it kind of annoying. But the larger issue is that they don't have anything to say. They literally have nothing to say other than we fix some bugs. Yeah, so they just say something fun, which I mostly don't like. It feels unprofessional to me in most instances. Mm. Philip has written in, my wife recently dropped her Series 2 Apple Watch. It's being repaired, but might need replacing. If it needs to be replaced, it will cost us £290. Does it make sense to get a new Series 3 right now, or is a Series 4 likely to be out in the autumn? Don't. Don't. D- don't. Don't buy it, because nope. there will be a new Apple Watch. I mean, just today, there was a report about uh, some regulatory approvals for six new Apple Watch models. Don't do it. I broke my iPad, right? <laughs> like, and I'm I'm just forging ahead with my broken screen. Still going strong though. Cracks are getting worse, but that thing's still going strong because I'm not going to pay four hundred and ninety pounds when I'm probably going to be paying a thousand pounds in four weeks or five weeks or something. So, if you can get by, don't do it. It would be my would be my advice right now. 
um, because it's too, it's just far too soon right now. It's far, far too soon. And you may not want the Series 4, but it means you'll get a Series 3 for cheaper. So hopefully, yeah, don't don't do it. I was I have a cracked screen story, which is I was at a restaurant on Friday in San Jose. I was in San Jose visiting some friends because there was a convention there. Uh, It was fun. It was like uh, celebrating the two month anniversary of WWDC, which is a little (laughs) bit weird, but like way fewer people, by the way, Apple uh, developer conference between the conference and then all of the like people who are there not going to the conference, we really kind of shut down and ruined downtown San Jose. It was way, it was fascinating to see it. It's a little like going to Comic-Con, going to San Diego outside of Comic-Con after having been to Comic-Con. You're like, well, wait, are the, where are the giant crowds and the long lines? It's like they were gone. That was really nice. Anyway, we went to a brewery that's just around the corner from the convention center, which was really great. I'm going to definitely try to go back there. Um, Next There's time a brewery around the corner from the convention center. Yeah, why did yeah, nobody know is. about this? Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't right. know the You've story got the keys behind it. Now. You've got the keys to everybody to know that there's something interesting to go to. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a nice little uh, nice little brewery. It's kind of like uh, a block away from the uh, the theater. The it's the Uproar Brewing Company. Interesting. It's on okay. it's on uh, San Salvador and First. Um. Anyway, uh, they have it's all an iPad checkout system. So they've got an iPad kiosk, mm. and then they also have for the dinner rush, which we were there, you know, five to eight or whatever, um, drinking beer, and then people came, and then we had dinner, and it was it was busy. They have another iPad that they that they bring out, and I can see why they only bring this one out for the dinner rush because it has a cracked screen. Which you know, I get it. You don't want to pay to fix your iPad, whatever. But it's one of those things where. You know, they run your card and then you need to sign on the screen. <laughs> and I'm signing on the screen over the cracked glass and I can feel the cracked glass as I'm signing. And I think to myself, I don't like this. This is not, you should not be having your customers run their fingers over cracked glass that may throw a shard into their finger at any moment. Seems like a mistake. So that's my cracked screen story, which is like, if you want to do it to yourself, that's fine. But to inflict on your customers, <laughs> moving your finger over, it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to move my finger over that crack there because it could, could uh, you know, put glass in my finger. And I, I use my finger because I, so, I have to type things. Some cracks are fine. You know, you could, sometimes you could, your iPad screen if, can if be If it's your own cracks. iPad, if it's yeah. your own iPad, you choose to take the yes. risk if you yeah. want. I agree. For, for a but point don't of sale that iPad people. that you should replace Seems that. like a bad That's idea. Wild. Seems like a bad idea. Mihir asks, will you be upgrading to, presuming they're announced, the new iPad Ah. Pro, the new iPhones, and the Apple Watch Series 4? Just two or three? What is your plan right now, sight unseen? Okay, the problem with this is that, in reality, we are people who write about this stuff and talk Mm -hmm. about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I would be, I need to try all the stuff. Hopefully, I can get review units of all the stuff. I will, but but that said, the stuff that I buy, I buy because I want it to be mine and I want to use it for a long time. Like, I'm still using the iPad Pro first generation 12.9 because I bought that one. And I got the second generation review unit. I had that, but that's not what I use. The one I use is what I bought. So with that disclaimer that I hope to have all four of these at least at some point, the one that I will certainly buy is the iPad Pro. 
Certainly, 100%. I absolutely will buy a new iPad Pro. Yeah, because you're, you're a couple of iterations behind at that point, yeah. right? So you're going to get a nice big, big jump. Yeah, yeah. And, and the new, you know, if it's bezel-less and all of that, like I'm very excited about what a new iPad Pro. I use my iPad so much. The other ones, you know, I, um, I love my iPhone 10. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, I'm okay with it. So I would not choose for myself to buy a revised iPhone 10 if there is one. Um, that that one is probably not on my agenda. Um, Apple Watch, I have the Series 3 with cellular, and I'm very happy with, happy with it. So I probably would not buy a new one of that. And um, yeah, so that's for me, that's, that's it, is that I'm really targeted on the iPad Pro. What about you? I will 100% be buying both iPad Pros because I love them and I want the newness of all of them. They're very important to me. A bigger iPhone, 100%. Of course, right? I'm going down that road. Bigger iPhone, definitely. Apple yeah. Watch, I don't <laughs> want one because I don't wear no. it anymore. Yeah, uh, I don't wear the Apple Watch. I haven't worn my Apple Watch since May. If mm-hmm. you are interested in hearing about that, because it's too much to get into right now, I direct you to episode 71 of Cortex, where I explain in detail kind of why I have given up on the Apple Watch and why I'm not interested in what, I do, what I'm doing instead. There is a world in which they could create an interesting enough product that I would want to buy it for the review purposes or whatever, right? So I can talk about it. But if it is just a jump like they've been doing... Probably not, right? Like, I'm not going to need it. Other people having it will will suffice, but I'm not really interested in wearing an Apple Watch anymore, at least for the time being. Um, there has to be some big changes to the Apple Watch. I don't even know what they would be, right, for me to want to go back to it because I am now in the mechanical watch camp. So uh, I, I like my dumb, beautiful watch. Yeah, you got you got reasons. I, I, yeah. I'm not... I, I wore a mechanical watch for a long time, but I don't now. I like my Apple Watch. I enjoy, I'm I'm enjoying, I did, uh, this is big for me. I closed all three rings very early on, on, was it Saturday? Sometime last week. And I was like, oh boy, this is big. But then you get in that moment where like, I, I put on my watch late in the day, uh, like 11 o'clock one morning. And I was like, oh man, I'm never going to do it now. And then I did have a moment where I like stood up and wandered around because I was trying to get credit. Pro Apple Watch tip, by the way, get up at about 55 after the hour and walk around for 10 minutes and you get credit for two hours of standing. So I think that's a... Anyway, I I enjoy my Apple Watch. Uh, Watching my wife who's using a Series Zero Apple Watch, she'll definitely be getting a new Apple Watch this fall. And I see... Somebody on Twitter was saying this too, how, um, how much faster the current Apple Watch is than the original... Um, there are a lot of people who like tried the original Apple watch and they're like, this is so frustrating. And my wife is frustrated with it. And now I'm just sort of like, just hold on. <laughs> New one's way better. <laughs> Cause she's, you know, it's just all these pauses that you're like, why can't I tap on this thing now? She was trying to get an offy code and she's like, tap, 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 tap. And it couldn't get it to come up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that works fine on the modern watches. So we'll see. One thing that I might do if I'm like moderately interested, but don't want one for myself I'll buy it for Adina. She's still using Series Zero, like Ugh. the original, original. Um, yeah. And she wears it and uses it every day and has absolutely no complaints or problems with it. Oh, she would she be uses. really happy with a new one. 
but you know, I don't think she uses it very, very much. Like she, for her, it's just like it's my watch and it tells me the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and it gives me notifications. She's not really like digging into it very deeply. But that would, I've just thought that would be a pretty nice way for me to get to see the new one, and she would get a benefit oh. from it because she wears it yeah. every day. All right, that's. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much to everyone who has sent in some questions. We, Jason, I still have a lot more, but I always want oh, more yeah. Ask Upgrade questions. So you can always tweet to us with the hashtag Ask Upgrade to, for us to answer a question from you at the end of the show. Thanks to everyone that's done that. So if you haven't heard us answer your question, I have lots. We're going through a big, big backlog, so maybe we'll uh, dip in and out of trying to do some more over the next few weeks. I always think it's really interesting to see what people want to hear us talk about. There's always some interesting insights that come out of hashtag AskUpgrade, which is why you've heard this technology uh, in use in some of your favorite technology podcasts around, mm. right? This, this is why this is uh, permeated across the ecosphere because it's a, it's a great way to get feedback and to understand what people want you to talk about. So that's why we love doing it and why it has been a mainstay on this show for years. We are actually fast approaching our fourth anniversary on the show in September, which I'm very excited about. So thank you to everybody who has tuned in, especially those of you who have been around for a very long time, and especially, especially to those of you who became Relay FM members over the last week or two, or, or if you've been for, for a long time, thank you so much, relay.fm slash membership, to uh, find out more about that, or you can become a supporting member of Upgrade by clicking the link in the show notes. You can find Jason over at uh, Twitter. He is at Jasonl. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Go to sixcolors.com and theincomparable.com for more of Jason's work outside of Relay FM. But he, like I, hosts many shows at Relay FM. Go to relay.fm slash shows, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick up something new for your podcast listening pleasure. Thank you so much to Pingdom, Inboard Technology, and Squarespace for their support of this week's episode. And we'll be back next time. Until then, Jason, are you going to ride off, surf off into the sunset? Say goodbye. See you later, dude.